Hello, beautiful. And what I'd really like to know is, what is good in your life today? I'm Kia, and this is another episode of the Female Veterans Podcast. Today, I have with me a dear, sweet, wonderful human being. Her name is Teresa Melton. She was a competitor for Miss Veteran America, and she is currently helping veterans to learn all about transitioning in their career into mortgages, which I'm super excited about. And I believe. It's so important that we help each other where we can. So I'm excited for her to share her story. And we're going to get into all of that. We're going to get into her her experience in the military, all about this veteran America and what she's up to now. So I want to just say thank you for coming, Teresa, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Kira. It's so happy to see you. It's great to see you. And before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to my new sponsor, Grunt oh. Style. That's right. Grunt Style Apparel. If you go to gruntstyle.com, you will get 10% off your first order if you use code BAKER. That's my last name. And I think you'll like their stuff. They have workout gear. They have cute t-shirts. I got my Navy t-shirt there so I can represent my branch. They have all the branches as well as fun stuff for hunting gear, fishing gear, workout gear, and just loungewear and stuff to chill out and super, super cute, high quality. I have several pieces myself, so I can highly recommend them. In addition to the fact that they're veteran owned, they employ over 200 veterans and they're growing like gangbusters. And I just like the organization, especially because of their foundation and the work that they do to help veterans. You know, that's close to my heart. And thank you to everyone who, when I introduced the idea that I may take them on as a sponsor, who said I should do it. So I'm doing it. <laughs> so go get your apparel, gruntstyle.com. Teresa, I would like to start at the beginning and find out what made you join the military. I've been asked that a lot, you know, during this whole year, right? Mm -hmm. I grew up military. I grew up in San Diego. Who was not military there? <laughs> right? Top Gun, NAS Miramar. You got the Marine Corps, MCRD, or for the recruiting, Camp Pendleton, right? Naval Station. I grew up, everybody was Navy or Marine Corps. My father was Command Master Chief out of North Island. Grew up very Navy. So, I did take a gap year from one year after high school, took a year off, did whatever, and went in the Navy, enjoyed it, loved it. Boot camp was a breeze for me. But again, I grew up with a lot of military women that have already been through it. So, you know, there was no Air Force, no Army. It was just Navy and Marine Corps. So that's how that all came about. And I just knew it. It was just already in my brain from a little girl. I already knew it. Maybe from kindergarten. I don't know. That was just what was going to happen. I envy people who knew what they were going to do from such a young age, because I think it makes <laughs> life so much more simpler. And you just start honing your craft really early on. So I would have loved to have known what I was going to do with my life so young. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, what was I going to do later on? It was just like, join the Navy and then go from there, I guess. Well, you know how excited it makes me to have a Navy shipmate in the house. So let's talk about boot camp. I know that it was different for you. I went through at Great Lakes. What was boot camp like for you? Well, 
It was in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Went in the summer. San Diego, of course, we don't have humidity. Orlando, they do, but it wasn't that bad for me. I already knew what to expect. We saw that little video. Remember that video they used to show us? <laughs> <laughs> but again, I was around so many active duty Navy women. I was so told everything. No secrets. I already knew. One thing I kept hearing, do as you're told. Be respectful. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. When they tell you to jump, you always say, how oh, high, sir. Right? Keep your nose clean. Do as you're told. That's what I did. Now, I had to lose some weight. I had to lose like five pounds because I did fail the first physical. <laughs> I was five pounds over. So, you know, went through the whole thing again. Got in. Got on a plane from San Diego to Orlando. Landed a couple days later. I mean, we, we got in. It took a couple days to get our uniforms. Now, I was lucky. I didn't have to do the spats or the rifle. Mm-hmm. I know when you went in, it was after me. Mm-hmm. We wore the old, we say, chambres, dungarees. Mm-hmm. Okay, we wore those. The biggest problem I had in boot camp was sleep. I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> and the biggest wish I always asked was asked this, what was your withdrawal problem in boot camp? Makeup and hair. <laughs> Right. And you only had, you know, you got up at four in the morning, you know how the bells went off, the mm-hmm. lights went on, jump out of your app, blah, blah, blah. hurry up, get your PT gear on, go outside, get on the asphalt, put your little towel on the asphalt there, you start <laughs> doing your PT right in the morning. Okay, I didn't have a problem with that. I had a problem with just laying there. On the, I just remember being on the asphalt, looking up at the sky, it's like one o'clock or four o'clock our time. One o'clock in San Diego. I'm like, oh, my whole family is still in bed. I'm not there. So that was my biggest withdrawal was the sleep. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, it was hard. it was hard. It was difficult. I actually, ironically, had to lose weight before I went to boot camp too. But I had to lose 14 pounds. Mm. Yeah, that was it. And they waved my eyesight because Lord knows I can't see a thing. So there went my oh, dream okay. of being a helicopter pilot. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I did it. So, and definitely boot camp, the sleep, the sleep was really, really, really lacking. I think we all agree with that. I think that's one of the major ways that they start sort of breaking you down is that you're so mentally and physically exhausted. Exactly. And, you know, so as we're going through boot camp, and of course, they have to show you what we may have called it general training sessions or meetings or classes, whatever, mm-hmm. like being on a ship, what happens with the fire? What do you do? You know, the drills, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So they would show us films, but they were from the 1940s. <laughs> no, seriously. But here's the thing. Since my dad was command master chief of the Navy at North Island, he already had those films. So he'd already grew up seeing them. Mm-hmm. So I would take the opportunity Watching these movies and films for training, I would go to sleep at my desk, put my hand up, hold my head up, close my eyes, go to sleep because I've already seen them over and over. So I was good there. <laughs> so it was like the matter of sneaking in. What times can you sneak to eat? Another problem I came out with in boot camp, and I still have it today. You had a minimum, if you're lucky. 20 minutes deep from the time you grabbed your food through the line, sat down at the table, right? You had 80 of us in a command. 
So the first one would sit down. That's when the 20 minutes. Right. Okay. So if you're the 50th or 69, you didn't get that whole 20 minutes. So you had I feel to like we had it. 10. I, I feel like I don't even remember having 20 minutes, but really? Ooh. Yeah. I feel like I remember definitely everything you're saying, like from the first, the first person sits down and then you have to shovel that food in or you're not going to, if you're last, oh my God. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to this day, I will still shovel food in my mouth. And it's horrible because like when I was single in my forties, I was out dating, you know, we, we put so much time in our hair, makeup, clothes, you know, meet this guy. We go to a nice restaurant. You order your food. Even before he's even to his baked potato, you've already scarped down the whole <laughs> meal. How classy is that, ladies? Oh, no. Why, why don't you want to go out again? <laughs> You're a real class act. <laughs> you look good. But you eat like a, like mm. you're starving. We're not mm. starving. I'm just, when you do that for several months between, you know, your basic training and your A school, mm-hmm. that's how, that's how you eat because they need people to keep in mind and it makes sense. Troops in, troops out. Right. Correct? Right. Limit time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here I am 60 this year. Aww. I still eat like that. I still can't get, I just, it'll never go away. Sleep and food. <laughs> <laughs> My stepdad was like that. <laughs> he sat down to eat. It was just, he would, you know, that he, for some reason had, and he was prior military too. So I, I understood where it came from, but um, yeah, I, I get it. So tell me, did you keep in touch with anybody from boot camp? I've tried. Um, actually, I've kept in touch with women that I knew mm-hmm. from way back when, maybe high school, but we weren't in the same, you know. But as far as speaking, I've been on a quest. I have my yearbook from boot camp. I've been searching. A lot of us have changed names, situations. There were a few, but over years, you know, and again, this is way before the internet before Facebook, social media, we did everything through, you know, the APO, FPO addresses, trying to do all that. I've been on different pages looking for them. I haven't found anybody directly from boot camp, unfortunately. So what year were you in? I've been saying this lately when the ships were still wooden and someone (laughs) still goes over the red. 1980, I went in. 1980 and you went in in the summertime right june 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 1st 1980 okay so if anybody's listening who was in orlando who was in navy boot camp in june 1980 go to the female veterans podcast.com and send me an email and maybe you guys were in the same boot camp and maybe we can connect you that way. So fingers crossed. And I think I, yes, I think I was in command KO93. Does that sound familiar to you? See, I was in a, I was in a 900 company. So oh, it was I'm different, di- but in, and then I was at Great Lakes. So might've been a little bit different, but Hey, somebody will recognize that. Uh, well, I hope because I'm, there's a few of them that I was really close to and we had a great time when we had the time. 
Yeah. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I, I unfortunately didn't get to keep in touch with many of my boot camp sisters either. I'm always shouting out Sunny Woolsey, but there were quite a few of them that were amazing and that we got really close during that time. Because when you had the downtime, like Sundays, and we had those moments to really connect, we had some amazing conversations and a lot of bonding. And we would often swap I'm like, I was really good at shining boots. So I'd shine boots for people and another girl might press clothes or stencil or whatever. So, I mean, we did a lot of really fun things to get through an experience like that bonds you, you know? Right, right. Absolutely. And you need that. And Mm -hmm. that's where you learn the importance of being a sister in arms regardless, because I have your back, you have mine. Mm -hmm. And you share talents amongst each other. Absolutely. And that's my favorite part of boot camp. It was tough, but you know, we we made it through and A school was easier, but also tough. And I went through hospital corpsman, A school at Great Lakes, also on the other side of the base. What was A school like for you? Well, I did not end up getting a designation when I went in. I wish I would have, but again, I went in 1980. It was different times. I thought we went beyond that. Mm-hmm. The Equal Rights Amendment for Women, right? Mm-hmm. But no, it was just Ooh. the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at that time, a lot of us women were discouraged to have a destination. Wow. So, and yeah, I know, really, right? I wanted to be in air traffic control, but it was a male-dominated rate. Oh, wow. They didn't want women there. And I didn't know until later on because they didn't think women could actually you know, get a pilot up in the sky, like in a fighter jet or whatever, get him to land. They thought we couldn't do it. Only a man could do it. Wow. I didn't know that until, yeah. And they didn't think we could do like the MP military police. They didn't think we could carry a gun. Hello. And then there was a lot of rates that were close to us anyways, because of the men, Mm -hmm. you know? So there was a lot of clerical. So what I ended up doing is I went through, after boot camp, I went through about, probably about a 12 to 16 week open program in Orlando. So it was just to learn everything. And we, we were able to have certain jobs on the base. So I did the swim because I was really good on the swimming. So I helped out with the boot camp side of getting the recruits to pass the swimming portion. Nice. So I did all that. And then I also helped out with the PT side of it too. The ones that were having a hard time keeping up with the runs, the sit-ups, all that. So I also did that. So from there though, I said, I want to be a personnelman. I did want to be a yeoman. I wanted to be a personnelman doing the paperwork. And I've always loved that. So that's where I went in. And I did get my designation to do that after that. Nice. So what was active duty like for you once you were designated? You know, I was okay with it. I was in during the salt and pepper days. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about there? <laughs> well, why don't you share? Because I know a lot of people won't, especially that came in after me. Right. Salt and peppers were the white shirts and the black pants, salt and pepper. Then we had our winter blues, which were, they called the blues, navy blues, but it was actually the black long sleeve tops, shirts with the black pants and then it went into the whites, summer whites. Mm -hmm. 
everyday whites, again, different terms, you know, depending on who you're speaking to, what part of the country, the white tops with white pants. So that's when I went. <laughs> I was after those days, the salt and pepper days, we were summer whites and winter blues. And we had the dress white skirts and mm-hmm. I preferred the winter dress uniform. That was my favorite uniform. The, um, the, the dark, the, mm-hmm. the, the winter blues, the black mm-hmm. and black. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I like the whole Cracker Jack look on the guys. I didn't like it so much on the girls. <laughs> you know, that was, you know, funny you say that now with the Cracker Jacks, you know, we've heard that different ways too, right? Mm-hmm. That was being talked about when I was in. Hmm. We were already rejecting that look because come on, Popeye, you know, <laughs> Popeye, the sailor man, that's his uniform. Right. And when we started seeing like, no, seriously, because we, maybe we were just like a test mm-hmm. to look at, you know, as women being in, we weren't wearing them. They weren't out, but what do you think? What do you think? We did not like that. And I still don't, I don't find it to be attractive. I don't find it to be following the Navy history of it. I just don't find it to be a good look on a woman. Sorry. I feel you. (laughs) They can do better. We can do better. Mm -hmm. Sorry, people. We can do better. Mm -hmm. I mean, Zach Posen just designed the Delta uniforms. Why not bring him in or somebody like that to design the uniforms for the women and the military? But they (laughs) they did a show like that with him few years ago to like mm-hmm. revamp the different mm-hmm. military, but you know what? They're from New York and they're like fashion. It was great, but kind of out there. <laughs> and I kind of see why the military kind of like, no, like, but oh. it was great. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> but you uh, know what? Come on, Kara. Have you seen the new space force uniforms? Yeah. They're awesome. Okay. Star Trek. Here we come. I love it. I'm about that life. Okay, my favorite show is the Orville. <laughs> I, know, let, I mean, let's talk about light years into the future. I don't know about the name, the Space Force. In my personal opinion, I really feel like it should have been a part of the Air Force. The, and the Air Force should have just sort of enveloped that whole space sort of situation. I don't know that we needed a branch, but hey, I think it's necessary, though. It is because we know that we need that. It's it's right. time. And they're, sooner right. or later, they're going to admit that there's communication or something like that. Now, you know are, I mean? is everybody going to claim them? Eh. But you know what? They're still part of the military forces. Yeah. Regardless, we may not see them on the ground, on Earth, or up in space. But you never know. We're going to still need them one day. Hello. Well, I think we need them now. They just don't want us to know. Why, <laughs> or else, why, why bother to spend the money to do it? But somebody knows something is my point. It's just my opinion. Somebody knows something. (laughs) Well, it's just like the Coasties. Come on, the Coast Guard, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I I did some time in the Coast Guard, too. I just don't represent the Coast Guard, per se. I represent the Navy. Mm -hmm. But I did do time in the Coast Guard Reserves, and that was my goal. But hence me going into Miss Veteran America, I actually represented the Navy. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's talk about some of your experiences while you were serving in the Navy. You know, nothing special, really. I ended up working security for a while. 
I did get to work in a squadron. I was stationed in a squadron at NAS Miramar. My dream growing up, because I used to go to NAS Miramar growing up. I mean, come on. I went to daycare there. <laughs> okay. Worked at the um, little Jet Mart, like a 7-Eleven store on the base. Went to church there growing up. Everything I did was on NAS. Going to the commissary. Got my ID card. Went to the dispensary, sick bay, at NAS Miramar. So for me, seeing all these years growing up, knowing the squadrons and Blue Angels would come in and all that, my dream was to actually get into a squadron at NAS Miramar. That was a dream come true for me. Look at that. Dreams come true. They did. And they had Smearmar and I used to get up in the morning. It's like, because at times I would stay with my parents back and forth. You know, when mm-hmm. you're military transferring, married, you know, your husband's over here, you're over there. You may not have a permanent home, but you have family. So you can go back and forth. That's what I did. So for me, I would get up. Oh, dad, I got to get up. I got to get my uniform on. Oh, here's Amber, the toddler, my daughter. I got to go up to, you know, NAS Miramar to do the squadron, you know. Oh, great. Next thing I'd get off work, come home. My dad would be at the Eagles or VFW, you know, whatever. I would see my chief from the squadron there. My dad would be so happy. He goes, oh, there's your chief, you know, at the squadron, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, it was great. So that was like, for me, my ultimate goal was to get back to NAS Miramar and be a part of NAS Miramar, which is now the Marine base, but still. That was not, not everybody gets their dream and you did. And that's, that's, they, they couldn't come true. I I grew up there. mm -hmm. When you're getting, when you're getting your detail, you don't always get number one on your dream sheet at that point, but it's beautiful that you did. So that was a great thing for me. So that's the best memory I have being active. That's awesome. So I was going to ask you, is your favorite memory? So since you already clarified that, what was your biggest obstacle while you were on active duty? Being a woman. Wow. Being a female. Absolutely. The older military there were very aware of my father's situation. Mm-hmm. Did that come into play? Sometimes it would be like, I can't, you know, again, close doors, you know, close ears. Can't believe your dad even allows you to go in the Navy. Doesn't your dad know any better than women have no place in the military? So wow. this was 1980. Keep in mind mm-hmm. here again, when I went to high school, the whole equal rights amendment, you know, marching the women, burning the bras, all that mm-hmm. kind of, I really thought we, we won. We did not. Yeah. Didn't we all think we won till we learned? I, we did not. <laughs> why would I have thought anything different? Mm-hmm, right. So what I see today, what I saw then, it just kind of makes me mad because I was willing to do all that back in 1980, Mm -hmm. but it was the men that kept holding us back. And that's what's so frustrating. Am I jealous of the women today? Maybe because they got to do what I wanted to do thinking I could do it, but there, there was no way I could do it. In 1980, but they're doing it now. God bless them. That's powerful. <laughs> There's some powerful words when you really think about it, because a lot of the interviews I do, I am stunned at how far yet we have to go. Mm-hmm. Right. But listening to you and thinking about my own experience in the military, 
how far we had come from what you're talking about even then. So 15, 14 years later, right, is when I went mm-hmm. in. And then the women now, what they're doing today and how things are evolving, you can see the progress, but it just still doesn't quite feel like enough. And when you put it in the perspective of, am I jealous of the women today? Maybe a little bit. It does like really shine a light on the fact that, yeah, look where we came from. Look what you had to go through wanting more and being boxed in by a toxic masculine thought process of the past. Correct. And here's the thing. And even, and I remember being in, you know, I was told by several chiefs, E7s, E8s for the ones that are army air force, you know, when I say chiefs, the E7, you Mm -hmm. know, so they can understand where I'm at. Right. Gunnies, sergeants, I don't know, sergeant major, something like that. Forgive me, Army and Air Force, if I didn't get that right, please. We don't, me. we don't really learn it. Still respect. Thank you for your service. Here's my salute to you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Anyways, I got this. Now, my father was full-on women power, okay? Mm-hmm. Full-on join the Navy. You know, I grew up, and I say this so proudly, equal opportunity home. I had brothers and sisters, seven of us. Totally equal opportunity. There was no such thing. You're a girl, you're a boy. Mm -hmm. We all fought (laughs) across Mm -hmm. the board. Okay. Mm -hmm. There was no discrimination in my household. You know, I grew (laughs) up with, right? So for me to go in the Navy, my dad did not. He wasn't one of those, oh, you're not going to make it. My dad goes, yeah, yeah, do it. You know, here we go. Here we go. However, when I got in, got to my bases, all that kind of stuff, I always got, I can't believe your dad wanted you to be in the military? Did your dad try to stop you? Because, you know, after all, he was E9, he was a master chief, all that. I didn't get that from my father. So that, then to have a chief, a master chief at NAS Memphis say this to me, not only he could not understand my own father allowing me, I guess, to be in the military. He was like, I don't believe women should be in the military. And I'm like, what? No, women should be married to the military, being at home, supporting their husbands in the military and having their babies. Wow. Again, I'm 19 years old. I was not raised like that. That was never told to me. Yes, did that stunt my career in the military? You bet. Because that E9 Master Chief is the one that would sign off, mm-hmm. you know, my request yeah. and See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So no matter at that time what I could do, even the backing of my father, it did not matter because we were still talking the men. And I hate to say this because we have a lot of great men in the military. Colin Powell, love that man, right? <laughs> God bless him. Mm-hmm. He recently passed, you know, mm-hmm. love Colin Powell. I look up to him. Or I did, but I'm just saying there are so many of them. And I'm going to tell you this real quick, because when I am out in the public doing grocery shopping, Walmart, banking, you know, at McDonald's, whatever, I see a veteran with their veteran hat. I go over there immediately. I offer them, hey, thank you for your service. I'm a veteran too. Here, here's my business card with my notary signing. If you're a veteran, I do give you a free notary, right? as a service. I have had overall great response. Recently, I had a man, army vet, way back when. No response, no respect, nothing from him. 
because he was from the old school. He does not believe women should be in the military, even to this day. Mm-hmm. It's still out there. It's still out there. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, a lot of these military women, you got to be careful because they can take you out to the back alley. Those guys are not going to come out of the back alley. You know, but you got to be careful. Who you're going to be, you know, disrespecting, you know, I'm I mean, saying. well, these old guys, they are, they're a relic. They're a thing of the yeah. past and they're fewer and farther between. So we hope. There are still a lot of toxic male mindsets that have sort of trickled down through the ages and are still floating around in the military. Obviously, this is why we still see harassment, why we still see sexism, and why we still see assaults happening in the military to this day. So, you know, it's something that I think we all have (laughs) to fight against still. It's like you thought, you know, the women's empowerment movement of the 70s Yes, it moved the needle forward a bit, but we're still fighting. We can't forget that we're still fighting to this day. But see, here we go, though, right here. Here's the difference with me. Military, corporate world. Corporate world, I've done very well in advancement, even early on. Women are, Mm. to me, yes, there's discriminant, of course, everywhere. Right. However, I don't have the, I have not had the obstacles that I had in the military that I do in corporate America today or have had. Mm-hmm. Another thing too about corporate America, and it blows so many people away. And we hear this MST in the military, right? Mm-hmm. We call it something else in, you know, in corporate right. world, civilian world, which is like, you know, basically sexual harassment. I'm like, hello, bring it on. Cause nobody's ever sexually harassed me in corporate America. It will blow people away. When I say that, that's true. I've been in it for almost 30 years of banking and mortgage, not one incident whatsoever. That's amazing. Not one, not one. And speaking of your 30 year career after Uh the military, what was your transition like from the military into that career? This is what I suggest to so many people right now. When you go, let's say you do five, eight, 10 years military straight, you're going civilian world shock. Do yourself a favor, unless you're being discharged due to medical, if you can go in the reserves for the last two years, that way you can transition into both so gracefully, so peacefully, so easily, because you still have, and this is what I did, I had my military world, right? Mm-hmm. So I still have my uniform. I still have my thinking. I still have my personnel. I still had a job. I'm still going to my bases. Even though it's once a month, I'm still important because I'm still in the military. But I'm also in the civilian world. So it was such an easy transition for me. What I come across from other women, they had such a hard time because it was so abrupt. Mm -hmm. Another abrupt, and I'm not putting this in here, but it's a concept of it. Being in prison 10 years, boom, going out, you know, being released. It's almost like that. Oh, I feel that. I see that perfectly. That's perfect. So why not do this? If you're going to do, okay, four years, you may not have too much of a time, you know, but again, we, we, we go in at 18, 19, 20 years old. We're not doing this at 30 years old, thinking of changing a career. This is a whole new ball game. So we're in very young. So we're already being trained. Like, again, I'm still suffering from no sleep. 
and I'm still suffering, shoving my food in my mouth. <laughs> it's going to happen, right? Can't get out of it. However, going in 18, 19, 20 years old, do your four, six, eight, 10 years, take the last year or two, sign over, transfer over to, to reserves. And the beauty of reserves, you can be released from your current base, go back to your home area. They will usually try to find you a reserve unit. So you can still be at home, do your corporate America, maybe go to college, whatever you need to do, take care of your family, but still do your reserves. Easy peasy. Whew. You're not totally out. You're still in one foot in, one foot out. Maybe is that, do you want to look at it that way? It's great. That's to me, that's the best transition advice I can give you. Wow. That's incredible. That is, mm -hmm. that is uh, amazing advice. Once you were in corporate America, how does your military experience benefit you? In a lot of ways, really great. I'm working for a really great mortgage company. I work remote, thankfully. You know, a lot of us are now, mm -hmm. will be. But I started this Miss Veteran America on a fluke. Actually, I found it going through being on all these different vet pages that I'm involved with, you know, mm -hmm. with the veterans on Facebook. Started looking into it. Why not? I'll do it. I had no idea the time, the energy, funds, et cetera, into it. However, my company has been great. When I became a finalist in July, I was like, oh, I better let them know. <laughs> Only because, well, because I had to, because of media. I knew not only was I going to be on local media here in Jacksonville, Florida, but it would go national. So I did alert our media department. Okay. Because even though I'm corporate, I'm not held like at that kind of a standard with the military at a courtesy protection, everything else, cover my butt. I let them know from there. Boom. Support all the way up to the CEO. Been on several town hall meetings being praised. They have showed the videos of my broadcast from the local new stations. They already know about you today because I did alert them again today because again, you're national. So even though your radio or podcast internet it doesn't matter because right. you're still social media. So anytime I do an interview, because I represent, and here's the thing too, I'm not just representing the Navy, I'm representing my corporate America job, mm -hmm. okay? Because I am an employee of them. Also too, I'm representing being a Navy veteran. I'm also re representing Final Salute. So with all three, everybody needs you know to be on board and I need to follow their directions too. It's amazing yeah. to have found uh -huh. a company that is that supportive. Oh. And speaking of Miss Veteran America, so you decided to do, what made you decide to do that to begin with? Well, number one, I've never done a pageant. It didn't come off as a pageant for me, but I was already working with women veterans within the community. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, great. It's national. Okay. Oh yeah. Let me use my veteran status. I haven't used it like at that, you know, why not? You know, it was just kind of, oh, how fun. It's just like the more I got into it, the more, you know, it was doing, but that's okay. So they had a lot of categories. One was talent, never done talent. They do lip singing. So that's great. Everybody across the board. So that relieves a lot of stress. Okay. For those that cannot sing like me, play an instrument like me, you know, dance like me, et cetera. So that was great. So from there, it went to fundraising. So from there, I was able to get out in the community. 
and bring awareness to our homeless women veterans. It's such a huge, huge problem. Also, too, think about it. Go to Walmart or we go down the street. We're taking the kids to school or we're going to the grocery store on our way to work. We will always see male veterans on the street corners with the sign. I'm a veteran homeless. Please help. It's a man. Right. Oh, of course we're going to help. Oh, here's a couple dollars, sir. Let me buy you some breakfast. We think nothing of it. Correct? Because we expect that. It's normal. Poor guy. And, you know, did his time in Vietnam. Now he's homeless. Oh, we're Americans. We've got to help this guy. This is what we're going to do. Now, you got a woman. Did golf war. She did 10 years. Medically discharged. Whatever. Two kids. Lack of support from the father of the children. You know, the military's not going to do too much because they got to protect him too. Correct? Mm-hmm. However, COVID, unemployment, et cetera, et cetera. Now she's on the streets with her two kids. She's got a sign. Goth war veteran, please help. But she's a woman. How do you think the public is going to conceive that one in their head? Very They're differently. Not. So women veterans are the most discriminated race out there. Demographically, we are discriminated because the public holds us to a higher power. They do. Because they're going to think immediately, well, why don't you have a man supporting you? Well, there could be several reasons why I don't have a man supporting me or my children. You know, why would I put myself in a situation that's not going to work out or it's not going to be good for me or the children? Why do I need a man to help support me when I can do this on my own? But maybe if I get a little bit of help, I can stabilize and go forward from there. That's what we can do. And that's what intrigued me. I just had to respond and work with my sisters in arms. I had to. Because it doesn't matter how hot up we were, it just takes a couple incidents before we're on, we're, we have hit rock bottom. Now, we're not asking permanent support or this or that, but just get us a little bit of support, stability, so we can, again, stabilize and go forward. And that's what we're doing. That's what I'm doing, putting the word out there. It's a beautiful message. You know, it's close to my heart. I I always say this, and every time I do any sort of a, an event or have the opportunity to give my opinion, but I don't think anyone who has served their country, male or female, who raised their hand and gave their oath and became property of the United States government should not serve and then end their military service without having at least their basic needs met. I just don't think that it's right. It's not right. In some countries, their citizens that went in the military, they're, they're pretty much set for life once they leave the military. As it yeah. should be. As it should be. In this country, you know, it's almost like you got to get, you know, be on the ground, be shot up by an M16 by the enemy, be on life support, have a missing limb before you can even get your VA disability and maybe <laughs> you'll get home. You know? and, and, then, and then and then you'll you might get denied the first time. <laughs> you and, and you're lucky if Ew. you get your approval in years. Right? Thank you very much. What am I doing for the next two years before I get there? Right, exactly. And that's exactly how a veteran can end up on the streets. And that's the point. And then another thing too, you think of a single woman, military veteran, number one, 70% or more of the women veterans that are homeless are single mothers. Two, they go unreported. Why, Kira? Let's think about it. If I have a child or two, I'm going homeless or I am homeless. 
do you think I'm going to run to DCF or CPS? So I can take my kids. <laughs> so they can take my kids, go in the foster care system. So it made, and then what I've heard from everybody that tells me, once your child gets in that system, it's very hard to get them out. So why even go there in the first place? So why go to these so-called agencies that are going to claim to help you? Think about it. You're going to report yourself. In the meantime, your kids are gone. You're not going to get them back. So why do that? No, I'll right. figure it out on my own. Thank you. In the meantime, you got people like me and you that are spreading the word and the awareness. We're like, hey, sailor. Hey, soldier. You know, hey, airman. We, we got you. Come over here. We can get you set up in all these different organizations. We're going to get you some stability. We're going to get you suitable housing, temporary. Let's get you in there. If you don't have a car, we have some resources here with some other veteran groups. You need some education, let's help you. You need some food, you need some clothes, you need some interview tips, we can help you. The thing is, Kia, you and me and the rest of us women veterans need to still keep the awareness out because from what I can tell from being with the, through this whole Miss Veteran America, it's only been about 10 years that women started having voices with the homelessness with women veterans. I am thinking only it's only been about 10 years, but women have been in the military since the early 40s, mm-hmm. since the Congress passed it. I think it was 1942, something like that. Mm-hmm. So why is it we're just now having this problem hmm, in the last 10 years? No, it's not in the last 10 years. We're just bringing it in the last 10 years, bringing awareness to a problem that's been going on since probably Vietnam. And more so since Gulf War. Absolutely. 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 We're going to keep doing the work. So tell me more about the competition itself. Now, I saw your pictures and I followed along and I thought you looked just stunning. So what was the experience like for you? It was wonderful. Let me tell you some wonderful women. Now, there was a group of us that went on Zoom every Sunday. We did like a work study. Just to go over, you know, this is what we're going to expect. This is what we're supposed to expect. You know, a lot of us were brand new into something like this, like me. And I actually hired pageant coaches. Okay. So that helped me with what I was going to wear, how I dress, how I walked, how I spoke, my talent, you know. And then here we go. Friday morning, 0800 in the morning. Friday morning. Check it. Busy schedule. All that. Friday all that Saturday, all that Sunday, Sunday night was the finals. And because Friday morning, first we did our speeches and we had to know the cause, the mission of final salute and the history of it and the stats. Two, we had to know women in the military history, a lot to learn there. Also to our advocacy and what was our reasoning to be part of this organization or why did we enter into the final salute with Miss Veteran America? All within six minutes with a board of awesome women. In fact, one lady, I wish I had her name. She was the E-10 in the army over the whole army reserves. Wow. I mean, come on. Impressive. (laughs) Very impressive, right? So, oh, and then too, we had to know 10 names of the queens of Miss Veteran America. So there was a lot in six minutes, being business dress, all that. 
Then from there, we had a little bit of time go up, change into your costumes for the talent. So we had that. Then we had like a 45 minute lunch break. And from there, you're going back up, getting dressed, photo shoots with our t-shirts, you know, serve like a girl in our heels. Next thing I know, we're doing rehearsals. We're doing this, we're doing that. So yeah, that was That was just only Friday, Saturday. Here we go again. <laughs> oh, plus Friday night, we had the white party. So I was by, I remember talking to my husband because he stayed here. Okay. Which I was fine with. I was almost crying. I'm like, I'm so tired. You know, I would oh work like this and in combat boots, I was just crying. Makeup had makeup had to be on all day long. Hair, oh my goodness! Plus the multiple changes of clothes and multiple schedule changes, and then you're trying to eat. You at least have a bite, not to get your lipstick messed up. I mean, it's crazy, <laughs> right? It's, yeah. but it's great. Don't get me wrong. Saturday just as speeches. You know, we had people coming in talking about the organizations and doing this. I mean, it's just do, 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 do. You got photo shoot, another one doing this. And then Sunday. Well, when you see me in the, the dress with the boots, right? Mm-hmm. I had makeup and hair coming in at nine 30 in the morning, took about almost two hours to do that. From there, I had to be down in the main ballroom area to get the photo shoot, which easily took 45 minutes to an hour to do that. All the poses, all that right now whew, go back up take everything off it's you know keep your makeup and your hair perfect the whole time now you got to try to eat you know and then you're like okay now we got to go back down at five o'clock you know now we're doing more press releases and more of this and more of that photo shoots now here we come with the finals but because i got top 10 for talent i had to bring in all my costume changes for the talent portion so it was crazy but it was fun we we were all just like modesty was out the window because we were all in a big conference room with us ladies contestants dresses this and that spanks and heels (laughs) and you know putting on military uniforms because we're going back on stage put our hats on put our t-shirt on put our gowns on put this on you know it was crazy but it was fun and you know and they would yell at you Five minutes to show time. Oh my God, let's hurry up. You're trying to redo your lipstick. And, you know, we're all tough chicks, okay? But I'll tell you, we become putty when it comes to perfect hair, perfect makeup, okay? <laughs> yeah, I imagine. And your dress has got to be on. Oh, yeah. It took a lot of preparation, but it was fun. Sounds like you need a team to get the right, <laughs> right, get everything right. Well, we were all there for each other, trust me. Amazing. It sounds like a fun but exhausting experience. What was your favorite part? My favorite part was being there, I guess the night of the finals, you know, for me, wearing that beautiful pageant dress I had. You know, of course, I had been working, you know, going to the gym, working on my arms, being able to wear combat boots again, working up on my upper arms, working the makeup, the hair, also to just being, for me, it was the biggest win for me was being announced, being on the top 10 of the finals for the talent and to perform again. That was my huge win. So that was it. That's amazing. Well, I I know that you brought a lot of awareness to homelessness for female veterans and you did a lot of really good work. And so thank you you for doing that. Thank you. Thank you. And I know that you were looked amazing and it sounds like you had an amazing time there. So 
Would you recommend it? Absolutely. In fact, I'm working with a lovely lady right now. I worked with her several hours yesterday with her. And you're going to have her on, right? (laughs) Absolutely. She joined in 1970. She's a Vietnam vet. How rare is that right now? Okay. Mm -hmm. Not only that, she's a retired nurse who worked for the VA in the psychiatric. So she has a lot. She has a story. She has a lot to offer. Trust me. So we're working together. And so what I did for a gift for her, for good luck and to go forward, I got her hat, says Navy veteran, Vietnam veteran, right? Navy Vietnam veteran with the ribbons. She almost cried. She goes, I've been wanting one of these. I said, well, you know what, Stacey? (laughs) Now that you're going into the competition, you're going to work on this and this and that. You are to wear that hat, wear it proudly when you walk out that door because you are a Navy Vietnam veteran, female, going for us, for the homeless women veterans. Here we go. Bam. I'm behind you and I'll get other people behind you too. Well, I'm behind her too. <laughs> so, yep. Go Navy. <laughs> no, you know, I love go na- Go Navy. No, come on. <laughs> you know, now we did have one girl, one lady that was a Marine. Oh, wow. So we awesome. had a lot of fun. And you know, what's so funny with me. They're like, you know, yeah, I was one of the older ones, but there's women in the past have been a lot older than me that have gone into the competition mm-hmm. and have actually placed. Okay. So, so I got to the point I was like, yeah, I joined the Navy when the ships were still wood. Well, I'm talking to an air force. I'm talking to army girl. I'm talking to Marine girl that, Oh, okay. They just <laughs> kind of blew it off because they didn't know what I was. When I said, I joined the Navy when the ships were still wooden. Well, I think it's the Navy or the coast guard would understand what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But it was so funny too, because we had so many military terms being thrown at us, even during rehearsal. You know, we've got one lady who was a major in the Air Force. She's like saying some Air Force stuff. I'm like, okay, what is she saying? I don't understand <laughs> what she's saying. And we have someone with the Army, you know. And, oh, so it was like confusing, you know, because of some of the commands. The terminology is different. Too, absolutely. But however, mm-hmm. here's another thing, too. So I tell you who is going to compete. Remember your left face, right face, about face, parade, rest, salute. Remember that because during rehearsals, when we had to work on our formations, right? As you will, left face, ladies, not your left face on that shoulder. It's your other left face. face. (laughs) Oh, I thought that was hilarious because I would, would get in there. Now, I have never could keep my lefts or rights. But I was always good in formation. I would always, like, out of the corner of my eye, I would look to the right or left, who's next to me, which way they're going. Then that's the way I'd go. Left face, right face. Oh, a whole bunch of us were, like, different. <laughs> I thought that was just so funny. Well, after you're out of <laughs> the military a while, you kind of start to forget. <laughs> well, but we got it right the night of the finals. But that was such a crack up for me. I was like, oh, they're still doing this. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, it sounds like an amazing time. I think that Final Salute and everything that Jazz Booth is doing over there with the competition is just really, really incredible. I can't like salute her enough for creating this and the work that she's doing. So if you have a chance to support that, please do. I'll put links in the description box of this episode so that you can check it out. As always, the description box is where you read what the episode is about. So just scroll down and there you will find links 
links to organizations that I affiliate with, as well as my Instagram, my social media stuff, and more information about how you can connect with Teresa. So I just have a couple more questions for you because I want to respect your time. You already gave us some really great advice about um, if you're transitioning out of the military to consider reserve time as part of your transition to make it a bit easier. But what other advice would you have for your veteran sisters coming up behind you? Okay, so this is true. Okay, now it may sound kind of minor, maybe selfish or self-centered, but think about this. If you're going in the military, you want to go in the military, fine. Number one, what is your dream job? Look at all services. Who has what to offer? Two, can you do land? Can you do air? Can you do both? Look at those. Okay, two, how athletic are you? Are you an athletic person? Yes or no? Or mediocre? Think about that. Some services are more athletic than others. Okay? Another thing, too, you want to look at, research where most services are basically, you know, stationed at. Okay, because not armed forces are always stationed in the same state or city or country. We know that, right? You know, like Japan might be more maybe Navy, maybe Germany. I've heard it's more Army or Air Force. You see what I'm saying? So where do you want to go throughout the world? Okay, again, do you want to do just air? Air Force is great. Do you want to do both air and sea or sea and land? Navy or, you know. Marine Corps, are you more, you know, infantry, that type of person? So look at all that. This is stupid, but it makes sense because this is what happened to me. Look at the uniforms. Look at the colors. Is this? No, think about it. Do you want to wake up and wear something that you don't like to wear every day to work? That's another mm-hmm. important. Th- I mean, seriously, I know that sounds stupid, but look at all the factors involved. Because that's another thing, too. I used to hear this when I was in, too. Even in, because we were the dungarees, the mm-hmm. old dungarees. I loved those. We had women that complained about, well, then why did you join? Those were my favorite with the boondockers and the dungarees yeah. uniform. <laughs> I loved that. But one. why did you join if you don't like the chambarees? I'm just saying, you know, so at the very end of the day, do you look good in green? Do you look good in brown? Do you look good in blue? Do you, you know? But it's just like when you go to work every day, are you going to wear the same suit, the same pair of pants, same t-shirt, same blouse to work every day? No. So in the military, you're going to be wearing the same thing every day. Are you going to be comfortable in it? So the military has a lot to offer for all our women. Again, just research again, deep research. Where do you want to go? What kind of a job? What has what to offer? Education, college education, you know, which one's a little bit more family friendly? How long are you going to be deployed from one service to another? Where they're being stationed up? So you got you want to look at all. Just don't on the whim just walk into a recruiting office and say, oh, I, I want to join the military. Well, you're going to have every branch be after you on that one. So that's that's my word of advice to join. But go in. Yes, more women power, girl power. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. (laughs) So I just want to say thank you so much for being a guest on the Female Veterans Podcast. I know that you are offering services through various foundations to help teach veterans how to shift their career into the mortgage industry. So if I am, so I do have a little workshop calling Mortgage Basics 101. I'm not endorsed by any investors or, you know, mortgage companies. This is my knowledge to give to the ladies, hey, if you want to switch careers, 
banking and mortgage, I can help you. I do workshops. And what I do is I ask the nonprofit organizations, if they're interested, call me up. We'll discuss it. I will be more than happy to do a meeting via Zoom to your ladies, explain it, show them the curriculum that I've come up with and go from there. Beautiful. So if you are a non-for-profit organization listening, or you know of one as a female veteran that you think this service would be appealing for that organization and it could help a lot of female veterans, please find the information in the description box below. Teresa, again, thank you so much for being a guest. I just love your energy. I think you're amazing. And I can't wait for everything that you have coming up. Well, thank you. And thank you so much. And You've been such a pleasure. And I want to see you in 2023 up on the stage with Miss Veteran America. I will work towards that goal. (laughs) But um, I thank you again. And to everyone listening, don't forget to go check out GrantStyle.com and get your apparel. Use code BAKER for your 10% discount off your first order and check out the organization. I think it's a pretty solid organization and thank you for, for listening and to everyone listening. I appreciate you. I love you guys. And I'll talk to you next time.